Welcome to Amazing Business Radio with best-selling author and customer service and business expert, Shep Hyken. Shep will talk with some of the smartest thinkers in business to help make you more successful in your professional and personal life. This is Amazing Business Radio with Shep Hyken. Hello, everybody. Shep Hyken here on Amazing Business Radio, back for another episode. I'm very excited about the guest we have coming up in just a few minutes. Jim Gilmore, who is one of my favorite authors in the world and just like one of the smartest people I've ever met, has a new book out called Look, A Practical Guide for Improving Your Observational Skills. We'll talk about the book in a little while, but I was thinking, and as we're going to be talking about uh, observational skills, I started thinking about, well, um, how how do we look at things? Where where do we miss opportunity? Where are the details? Sometimes we could be looking at an opportunity that's right in front of us and we just miss it because we don't stand back far enough or we don't get in deep enough. And then how about the details that go behind true success? Um, I wrote an article uh, probably about two years ago. I went to the Four Seasons at, in Vail, Colorado. It's a beautiful resort, and it was really very special. And I started just noticing, how is it that the Four Seasons does what, what they do so well? I mean, there's other brands as well that do the same thing. The Ritz-Carlton is one of them, and there's some other high-end luxury brands. How is it that all of these brands are doing so well? How do they get uh, their customers who are the guests of their hotels and maybe by the way it's a restaurant and uh, they're always busy and maybe not even so much you know fancy high-end restaurant but there's certain restaurants that just have amazing details think uh, uh, and manage them so well think about the people that you do business with uh, think about companies that you may uh, work with projects you know and as you work with these companies they're so good at what they do you know maybe you've hired a company to help you with something what is it that they do? What are they observing? You know, is it, and I think it's in the details. Is it that they just think differently? Well, they've been trained to think that way. And as I look through the manuscript of the book, Look, and I know we're going to get a, a probably a different perspective than I'm giving you here when we talk with Jim, but I, it immediately I went to, you know, gosh, what, what details are we missing? What opportunities do we miss? by not paying close attention, looking at what's right in front of us, stepping back, seeing it you know, from a different vantage point, uh, those types of things. But a couple ideas that I wanted to share with you uh, about uh, this experience that I had at the Vail Four Seasons Resort. One of the things that I noticed, and it just is kind of a metaphor for everything, is the ice cubes that they use and their iced tea weren't regular ice cubes. Now think about this. I'll have a glass of water. Sure, I like ice. I'll have a soda, you know, with ice in it. I'll have, you know, perhaps any kind of a drink with ice. Ice is ice, right? Unless you're at the Four Seasons Vale Resort in Colorado, where the iced tea has ice cubes that are actually frozen iced tea. <laughs> so think about this. When they melt, it doesn't you know, dilute the taste of the iced tea. And I think that is a kind of a detail that just, if you can use that as a metaphor for success, what is it that you can do, a detail that you can pay attention to that will enhance the experience that the customer is having? Well, when we come back in just a few moments, we're going to talk with Jim Gilmore about his new book, Look, 
And we're going to talk about looking at the details, looking at things from afar, but getting a different view that will help you be more successful in what you do at work and especially what you do for your customers. We'll be right back. This is Amazing Business Radio. Don't go away. If you like what you're hearing on Amazing Business Radio, and I know you do, then you can get much more of this information. All you have to do is go to my website, hyken.com. That's www.hyken.com. Fill out the subscribe to the shepherd letter form, and each week you will get an article that contains a business tip, stories, much more, all about customer service and experience delivered straight to your inbox. Thanks for listening, and don't forget to always be amazing. This is Amazing Business Radio with Shep Hyken. Shep Hyken here on Amazing Business Radio, and we're back, and we have Jim Gilmore today, as I mentioned earlier. And I am so excited uh, to have Jim on the show because he's just uh, not only a great guy, he's one of the most brilliant, creative thinkers I've ever met in my entire life. He's also the co-author of The Experience Economy, which is my all-time favorite book of in business that I've ever read. I constantly go back to it. We'll talk a little bit about that before we get into his new book, which is called Look. A simple word, look, a practical guide for improving your observational skills. And that's really important in all areas of business and life, but also especially for customer service and experience. Jim is the co-founder of Strategic Horizons, which is a, as he calls it, a thinking studio dedicated to helping enterprises conceive and design new ways of adding value to their offerings. Jim, welcome to Amazing Business Radio. Thanks very much, Chef. You're embarrassing me with your high praise. <laughs> well, the only part I had to read was the very exciting thinking studio dedicated to helping enterprises conceive. Come on. <laughs> I like it. Yeah, that, but... that throws people off sometimes, but we, we sort of don't think we're a consulting firm. We, we, uh, thought, and we're doing more writing and thinking and teaching. I like at it. At the end of the day. So, yeah, yeah and, thanks. And you have, uh, are you still doing your annual meeting that you do? Yeah, we practice what we preach at our what I call our our annual raving fan festival called Think About. Think About. And, That's uh, yeah, right. The we, Think yeah, About. It's our flagship experience, and it's very experiential uh, learning event. Will be in will be in New Orleans this year. And I, I know that I have clients that that just swear by going there year after year after year. Give us a quick little flavor of what the Think About is. Yeah, well, it's it's we 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 divide it into four parts. So we're always introducing some new content. In the morning of the first day, and then in the afternoon of the first day, we go on an, uh, an excursion. This year it's going to be a looking excursion. We're going to do a serpentine route through the French Quarter, and different teams will be tasked with uh, um, observing different uh, things. And then day two, we have a debrief, uh, always uh, inventing some new facilitation techniques. And then we end the show always with our top ten list of experiences we recommend people taken in the coming year and that concludes with our uh awarding of our experience stage of the year um uh award which we give to a recipient which i think this will be our uh 17th one we'll we'll be giving out uh, wow so, 17 yeah years. i mean it's, it's and it's you know it's, it's just amazing the different companies that last year was awarded to um chick-fil-a and it was to tough mutter the year before that just 
it's just amazing the different companies we get to know around this whole idea of staging experiences. Great. And so that's the key, to stage an experience that would make people want to come back, make price less relevant, because I, I, the case study that you have throughout the experience economy, and, and when did that book come out? That's been out for quite a while. Oh, yeah. it's uh, The original hardbound edition was 1999, and then uh, in 2000 and, uh 2007, I think 2011, we uh, issued the um, uh, revised edition in in paperback. So yeah, it's been around, but the, but the ideas are enduring. I right. I often tell folks don't don't uh, hold it against me that uh, that, I, that the book's old because you know there's a lot of books that are published and they, they don't last very long. So the book keeps chugging along, finding new readers, being relevant to new industries. It's it's, uh, it's actually amazing. I, I'm, I'm blessed by how well the experience economy is done, and to me, it's just a, it was the right message at the right time. And but in some ways, I merely wrote about what so many different people out there are actually practicing in, right. their, in their workplaces. Well, Starbucks is your key case study uh, yep. throughout, and what's really cool is that still today, even th- though this book was written back in 1999, Starbucks is still strong, if not even stronger than ever, trying new things. Uh, really cool company. And I think back to one of my other books that I would put up there as one of my favorites. And just to do a little comparison, it's, um, oh gosh, Tom Peters uh, wrote the book. What was his first book? Uh, Pursuit of Excellence. Pursuit of Excellence, that's right. Or In Search of Excellence. In Search search of Excellence. excellence. How could I draw a blank on that? That's been a real long time. So that was a long time, but that was back in the early 1980s. And what's interesting is he listed 50 companies. Uh, what he thought were excellent companies. And today, very few of those companies are actually still around. Uh, and actually, if you'd have looked at it even 15, 20 years ago, uh, they wouldn't have been around. But you focused on one company, and somehow you nailed it because they're not only around, they're bigger and better and stronger than ever, trying new things, um, constantly pushing the envelope to create that experience that when you walk into a Starbucks, you're not just going to get a cup of coffee, although many people go to get that coffee because it's so darn good. But here we are talking about your old book, and what we really (laughs) want to do is talk about your new book. And by the way, let's throw one that was right in between uh, the experience economy and today's book, which is Authenticity, what what consumers really want. Uh, I love authenticity, and being real is what it's all about. But let's jump into Look, a practical guide for improving your observational skills. Uh, what Quick overview, what is Look about? It's about uh, looking or observation as a skill and a, a learnable skill. And the, and the notion is that you know all businesses, all people, whether you're in customer service or product development, whatever you're in, you, you eventually have to take some action, and that action is based on thinking. But that thinking needs to be based on observing. So the, the notion is the, the actions you take are based on the thoughts that you have, and the thoughts that you have are based on what you see, see happening in the world. So the book is really offers a tool, a very simple tool, to help everyone um, see the world more richly, uh, gain insights, discoveries, um, simply by starting with what they see. Mm-hmm. Interesting. And and one, I think as I look at some of the most successful people in successful companies – and we can even go back to Starbucks being one of them, something that they are really, uh, they have the uncanny uncanny ability to do is to not just observe 
what's happening, but they also pick up on something that, I, and I refer to this based on, I, I go to a program called the Strategic Coach, and our listeners know I've talked about Dan Sullivan and the Strategic yep, Coach group, before, group. Right. Uh, yep. but he talks about uh, observing to the point where you pick up strategic byproducts. These are some of the things that you grab along the way that you know you really didn't think about, but now you see it happening, and you're able to actually use uh, this to, to take it to another level, to go off in another direction. And, and I'll give you an example. Uh, you know, hey, I'm in the speaking business. I started writing books, writing articles, and I, I was in the keynote speaking business. And one day, somebody said, hey, we want, we want an eight-hour program. Well, I don't do eight-hour programs, and I could have just left it at that. But then I started thinking, well, if that's what people want, why not? I mean, I've got eight hours worth of material, you know. Why not uh, Why not put the program together? And I don't have to do it. I'll have somebody else do it. And all of a sudden, uh, born out of what I would call a strategic byproduct, just paying attention to a customer or a client, uh, I created this. And now it's a major part of our business, uh, developing training. What about um, – uh, Well, if you, if you go back to Howard Schultz, if you read his book, Pour your heart into it. That's very much how the Starbucks we have today is a function of them. That's where I was two, going. Exactly. Two, two different things. One, he was selling espresso machines for some company on New York, and all of a sudden he sees who's this company that's coming up the, the the sales chart selling more and more. So he goes and visits them. They didn't even make coffee for anybody back then. And then when he's in Europe, and he just sees cafe culture in Europe. He says, "Well, we don't have anything like this back in the U.S." So again, it's something that he observed both in his sales reports but also in his personal travels that in combination sparks this idea of, Oh, let's, let's have a place for people to spend time drinking their coffee. And I'll tell you, Shep, when, when I first learned of Starbucks, it was a, a client of mine say, let's go to Starbucks. And I'm like, go where? Oh, you haven't been to Starbucks. Let's go word of mouth, go down there. And you know, it, it, the experience itself is like, I haven't seen anything like this. And, and I remember going to a major uh, manufacturer of canned coffee and, and, and they actually said no one has ever uh, created an, any uh, new value in this industry for over a decade. I'm like, have you not heard about Starbucks? Because they were with the idea of canning coffee, putting it on the shelf at the grocery store, or remember food service coffee where you have to make the whole mug and no one would ever have the last, the, the last little bit in the pot. Right. Uh, you know, it, it completely changed consumer behavior. You used to go to either make it at home or get it at the office, and now you stop on the way to the office and get it. Wow. So, I mean, and to me, it's amazing. And wait in lines for it. That, that's the thing that amazes me is how much time <laughs> people spend waiting to get. I have such a low tolerance for waiting. It just that to me, that's that's the admission fee that people pay to get their coffee is waiting in line. And the fact that it's so much more expensive than other coffee and, and on the base yep. product, if you made it yep. yourself. Um, by the way, yep. one year uh, for the holidays, I bought my wife a. Uh, uh, coffee maker and this coffee maker fantastic and she, it, it really is cool it's very expensive but i figured there was a 10 month return on my investment if she stopped sure. going to starbucks twice a day and only went once a day then uh i could recoup my investment within probably uh 10 months <laughs> well there's another there's a, that, 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 that brings up another example of a company that that observed and that is Keurig. I mean, there's, there's a, there's a, you take a look at how coffee, coffee making machines have changed. Once upon a time, every coffee maker you would make would make a full pot. Right. And you know, one cup you'd have Sanka instant coffee. Yep. But 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 there's a manufacturer of a good 
seeing consumer behavior change. Oh, you can order an individual cup. Why don't we make a maker that only makes an individual cup? That was sitting there for decades for somebody to do, but but it was, it was the company who saw the change in consumer behavior from ordering a whole pot to ordering an individual cup that said, let's make a maker that does an individual cup. And then Nespresso has a machine now that does that. And again, it, it's observing marketplace trends, is observing customer behaviors that informs new thoughts, and those th- new thoughts can be acted upon. But it all starts with observation. Right. And that's my book. Hence the book, Look. And in the book, there are six looking glasses. And in the time that we have, let, let's do this. Uh, let's take a really short break. And when we come back, we're going to go through all six of these looking glasses. And so everybody here gets a, a, a really good idea of not only what the book's about, but some good return on investment from the time they are spending listening to our show today. So we'll be right back. We're talking with Jim Gilmore about his new book, Look, A Practical Guide for Improving Your Observational Skills, which, by the way, is available at Amazon.com, where all books are available. We'll be right back. Chef Hygen here. How would you like customer service training anytime you want it or need it, day or night? Well, with Shepherd Virtual Training, you will have world-class customer service training at your fingertips online 24 7 365 days a year just go to www.shepondemand.com once again that's shepondemand.com and remember always be amazing this is amazing business radio with shep hyken we're back on amazing business radio with jim gilmore the author of look and this is a great book about, you know, how do you observe what's going on around you? How do you take advantage of it? Jim, you talk about six looking glasses. And these, uh, I want to go through all six, uh, you know, everything from binoculars, bifocals, magnifying glass, microscope, <laughs> rose-colored lenses, and finally the blindfold, which really, the blindfold really intrigues me. And I think when you, uh, when we get to this one, it's not what you think it is. So let's just jump right into it. Uh, we don't have a, a whole lot of time, but I bet you can give us a synopsis and tease us with sure. a few well, great the, ideas. The book, the book in some ways and, and the tool is really a prequel to Edward de Bono's six thinking hats. Uh, years ago, he developed a tool for a metaphor, put on six different hats for, for different thinking modes, green hat for ideas, yellow hat for benefits, black hats for weaknesses, white hat for information, red hat for intuition, and blue hat thinking about thinking. So he also wrote a book called Six Action Shoes, Six Ways to Take Action. So it dawned on me one day, okay, we well, got a tool for how to take action, a tool for how to do thinking. That needs to be preceded by a tool for how to look. So it's a metaphor. I like it. The six looking glasses. Thank Mm -hmm. you. The six looking glasses are a metaphor for different kind of, different kind of viewfinders that you can put on to see the world differently. So binoculars is a, is a find a vantage point, step back from the scene and scan and survey and see what all is there. What might uh, be worth further investigation. So like a general scanning the, the battlefield on the horizon or a even football coaches that used to be down on the sidelines, now they're up in the stands. Why? Because they can see the patterns and see how their plays are developing. So, some things you can see better from a distance. It's, it's, whenever you're, you can't see the forest for the trees, back up. So right? it's like, and, is it like getting the big picture, so to speak? It's getting the big picture. That's exactly right. It's seeing the big picture, seeing what is all there, um, and, and, and to do it sometimes in the beginning of, of some observational time. You, go to, you talk about you know, go to a mall, just see what, go to a store, see what all is there first. 
then go as you explore, maybe step back again and revisit it at the end. So that's binoculars. Bifocals, I've uh, got two, two different lenses inside the lens. It's taking two different views of something. Uh, this actually helps overcome confirmation bias. We tend to look at things with one dominant way. The example I use in the, the book to introduce this is I say no one's ever designed a car for a woman. There's no place to put the purse. Because designers, their, their, their confirmation bias, they assume men get into cars. So, so you look at how men and women get into cars differently. Then I follow that with the idea no one's ever designed a car for a dog because you assume humans get in the car. So if you watch how dogs get in the car, you might design a car differently. And we know dog owners, in fact, behave differently. They buy differently. They lavish their dogs. I can see a, a completely different uh, SUV, for example, with a ramp for the little dog to get up or press a button and a little dog food uh, tray comes out. Wow. So that's bifocals. <laughs> so hold, hold, hold on a second. I'm intrigued sure. by this because yeah. I mean, the binocular is the big picture. The bifocal is looking at it from two different vantage points. Two, from, uh, two opposing, either north and south, east and west, or either or else play, it's either look at ceiling and floors, left wall versus right wall, or put things in opposition to each other. Let's look at ceilings and the left wall. But you're always look, pairing something as opposites. Let's, let's look at children at the little gym playing. No, let's also look at the parents watching their children. And so what you look at, and actually little gym is a place where it's all designed for the kids, but where the parents wait to watch the kids has not been designed as an experience for them. Wow. You know, so, so, so yeah, there's what probably you look an opportunity at, uh, waiting oh, to happen. Absolutely. It's, so you, you tend, we all tend to look at things one dominant way. So the skill of binoculars is to deliberately look at it the way you usually do, but then also pair it with an opposite way and, and make new discoveries. So that's bifocals. Now we're getting into um, the magnifying mag- glasses. Magnifying glasses, spotting something of significance. So, Shep, when's the, what's your earl- earliest memory of using a magnifying glass? Wow. As a kid, what, what did you do with it? Uh, well, when I, what I do with it, you know, obviously make things bigger, but one of my favorite things is to look at insects really, really closely. Right, or, or maybe you might even fry the insect. You might have zapped it with the sun's ray. Oh, or, I, know, never, I, I, I never did that. I did oh, use did. the oh, sun's you were, you ray to burn kind. holes and leaves. <laughs> a okay. lot of kids, I actually use it to burn a hole in a piece of paper. But uh-huh. this, this notion of directing one's attention to a specific spot. So this is a skill of being in any situation, any scene, and spotting what's significant, finding it right away. Um, you know, seeing something. I, I use the, uh, uh, the, you know, just any place where, like, we aware is it? I don't see it there. Boom, the skill of spotting something very, very quickly. So you're, um, you're, using, you're, you're actually, it's not just the magnifying glass. It's the sunbeam zeroing in long enough, yeah, hard enough to burn a hole through a piece of paper. Very good. Exa- examining one thing in detail. First of all, spotting it, yeah, it, it, it's, it's pinpointing that something of significance and examining that one thing in detail. So it isn't magnifying. You're looking at it in more detail, but you're focusing on one detail. Right. Let me look at this. Let me look at this more closely and see what all is going on here. You know, we've got, we've, we've got the, the shipment was returned to the customer call center. Well, let Let's not just handle. Let's look at this in more detail. What happened? What, what's going on with this? And so, so forth. So, spotting things of, of significance, and then microscope, which also magnifies. But but think about with a microscope where you slide that glass plate up and down, left and right. That's looking around for more details. So once you've spotted something, microscope look at all the details. Um, sometimes you have to actually move things to to find. You know, I use the example of American Pickers, the TV show. You know, I don't know if you watch that, but you go to an old bar and something, there's all this junk. You have to rummage through things to try to find something of value. 
So you're looking left, you're looking right, you're looking up, you're looking down, you're looking all around. So now you're examining all the different details um, of what, what happened. And some people I might... example of a book. I couldn't, I couldn't balance my checkbook one day. I write in the book, and I'm like, well, I had to look at every single detail, every single right. entry, every single digit. you got to look at all the details to, to find something. And some people might confuse the magnifying glass with the microscope, but really... Yes, they, bo- they both magnify. The right. one's spotting one thing. That's why I think of that ray that, that looks at, hits, the ant, uh, hits the ant or hits the piece of paper. And microscope is... is I, I think I write in the book that if, that if magnifying glass and binoculars had a, had, a, had a baby, it would be microscope. So it's the surveying and scanning done at a distance with the binoculars, but applied up close, up close. And you can't use binoculars up close. You can't see anything. Right. You have to be the distance. So this, is, this is looking up close, but still surveying and looking all around up, up close. Yeah. You know what one, one set of binoculars said to the other? Oh, no. I'm waiting. I might have to steal this from you after you tell me. Check out the <laughs> curves on that magnifying glass. <laughs> I, don't <know> <laughs> oh, I don't know if I want to get into looking glass humor with you. I, that's a, that's a, <laughs> although I will have to go Google that, I suspect, to see what's out there. That might be, that might be funny. That's hilarious. Um, then last two, rose-colored glasses, which is looking at things better than they actually are. Um, it's, not, it's, it's looking right past the flaws and only seeing the opportunity. Hmm. Uh, I quote the inscription from the Statue of Liberty in the book. I talk about an artist, a couple of artists actually, that make all of their sculptures entirely from laundry lint, which most people see as being something to throw away. They see it as a valuable uh, piece of refuse that could be used. So it's... Uh, Another example I saw is I have some friends who do some consulting work for a small chain of restaurants. I said, oh, I'm gonna, I've never been to one, but I know I'm going to a town where I see one. I'll go in for you. I gave them some feedback, and I said to them, they had the right idea. There was almost everything in the execution was, was flawed, but I looked past that and said, you know, their footprint was right. They had the, they had the basic building blocks. They just didn't do it well. So I, didn't, I, did, I did not see the not doing it well, and I only saw – the, the goodness of, of it. So that's rose-colored glasses, looking at things better than they actually are. And by the way, what is what does it say, the inscription on the Statue of Liberty? Well, you're going to make me draw it. I don't have to memorize yet, but, you know, you know give me your refuge. You know, your, your, the gist uh, of it. Yeah, it's, it's your wretched refuse, right? The, the, the lady holds up the, 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 light. The, uh, the, the, the flame and, you know, give me your, give me your refuge, refuge. So there's the peoples from the world that... Uh, People think they're not worth something. America is the place that says, no, we, we, uh, we, we value you. I'm, I'm turning in my manuscript here to, to find it. Maybe we'll close with that because it actually is a wonderful poem that's uh, on the Statue of Liberty. So, and then, then blindfold. Blindfold is counterintuitive. It's, in some ways, it's looking by not looking, but, but actually it is looking. But it's not looking at what's out there. Rather, it's looking at what's in the mind's eye. So... A great example of this is that um, it's, sort of, it's sort of recalling what you saw in your mind. It's recalling how you looked at things in your mind. And I did some research, interestingly, and, and uh, have, have dis- and discovered that in police lineups, there's a lot of people who are wrongly identified when they line up six people against the wall. Hey, the third guy in line, you know, he's, the, he's the one. And, and later through DNA evidence, it's been proved that a person's been misidentified. Whereas if they bring the suspects in one at a time, right, it's much more accurate because instead of comparing people out there, the six people out there, you're comparing each person with what's in your mind, and that's much more accurate. So this is a skill of recalling what you have seen.
okay, of recalling how you have seen. In some ways, it's, a, it's assessing your own looking, and I think that's also a deliberate skill uh, as well. Right, yeah. If you don't have a blindfold, just close your eyes and think back. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And part of it is, again, it's a metaphor, so you don't have to literally close your eyes, although if it's helpful, do it. Um, but it, it is, it's, 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 the, it's, the, it's, the, it's the looking process that's the equivalent of doing that. And I, I don't want to look at what's out there. I really want to see what I have seen and recall that. You know, a sketch artist, uh, a, a, a police sketch artist is able to do that accurately of somebody they've never seen. Mm-hmm. <laughs> right? right? They can render it because they're, they're, they're actually have the ability to see what's in somebody else's eye. And, and, and render it. So that's the, that's the notion of, of uh, and often it's used at the end of a looking sequence to sort of look back on what you've seen, but also to say, you know, I didn't do enough um, rose-colored glasses. I should go back and do that. Mm-hmm. So it's also assess not just recalling what you saw, it's also recalling uh, how you saw it. Interesting. Very interesting. I, I kind of like that. I almost see that as the um, you know, your self-assessed feedback on whatever it is you're working on. I mean, that's right. It, I would say that this is not just about observing things going around you in life, although it could be. Uh, I just see, you know, getting, you know, hey, we've got a project to work on. Uh, it, I think it could be very uh, definitive for something very specific, not just general. So, well, I uh, think you, you think you said at the top of the show, it's business and 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 in life. I mean, clearly, a process is teams, projects. Certainly, for customer service people, it's observing customer behavior. Huge. But in your personal life, I showed the manuscript, early manuscript to my real They said, oh, this would be useful for buying a house. There's binoculars that's stepping back from the house right. and looking at its curb appeal. Rose-colored glasses don't look at the awful furnishing and wallpaper. Put rose-colored glasses and only see the good, good footprint of the house. Right. right. So, again, there's all kinds of everyday uh, occasions when the, them being skilled in each of these six different uh, looking uh, glasses is, is beneficial. Right. Very interesting. Yeah, my wife says, you know, we walked into uh, a house. I said, oh, yeah, I can see we'll be able to make this place look beautiful. She goes, really? Yeah. And then when it was done, she goes, he had the vision. And it's not right. just well, she, the she was looking with rose, She was looking with rose-colored glasses, exactly. You were thinking negative, you know, looking at the flaws, and she had rose-colored glasses on. And then, and then like, oh, you know, Again, wow, it's so wonderful. I never, I never, again, I always go back to they had the right idea. Somebody's seeing something positive where everybody else is only seeing the negative. Mm-hmm. So, did you, you said you wanted to end with a poem. Oh, yeah, we could. <laughs> I, mean, I actually looked at the manuscript. In fact, this is, you know, one of the early interactions about the book, but it, it reminds me I'm going to have to memorize these lines. But the poem is The New Colossus by Emma Lazarus. And it's actually, in fact, with all the immigration stuff in our country, I think we should be reminded of. Of these words, give me your tired, your poor, your huddled masses yearning to breathe free, the wretched refuse of your teeming shore. Send these, the homeless, tempest tossed to me. I lift my lamp beside the golden door. And I think that's very much the sentiment of rose colored glasses of sort of seeing wretched refuse and, uh, and walking, welcoming it through a golden door. So that's very much, and again, lots of opportunities for innovation. You know, somebody tries something didn't work, and then they just abandon it. Wow! And say, "Well, wait a second. Yeah. I mean, they had the right idea. Let's go back and improve upon it. There's, you know, see what, see the potential, not just the poor execution." I almost think of this book as something that just, you know, says, "Hey, open." It's not just open your eyes; it's let let it come in and open your mind. Exactly, as the, as the gateway, you know, the optic nerve connects the the eye to the mind. In some ways, exactly that's a connective tissue from what's out there to your 
brain. In fact, I was very pleased Daniel Pink was kind enough to give me a, to read the manuscript and give me a blurb. And you know, he wrote a whole new mind, and he he said the book is like getting a whole new set of eyes. And right. I thought, well, that's a good way. To, that's a good way to put it. Yep. I'm actually looking at the quote. Uh, Jim Gilmore teaches us that something as seemingly simple as looking can be crucial for success in any field. And this is what Daniel Pink says. So get this book and learn to look with whole new eyes. W-H-O-L-E. Whole (laughs) new eyes. And that is Daniel Pink, the author of A Whole New Mind. And uh, the book is available at Amazon. And uh, Jim, one last thought, one last takeaway. If you can remind us of one thing or tell us what we need to do, one idea, what would it be? Well, is it to carve out some of your day, some of your life, because we're increasingly distracted. We're, we're looking more and more at the screen, a screen that's in our hand, the smartphone. And my advice would be, you know, set it aside occasionally and, uh, and, and look at your immediate environment in which you're in, embedded. And, and, uh, cause I think we're losing that uh, a little bit. So at least each individual can decide how much they can do, but I suspect we're all being tempted more and more to the screen. And I would, I hope my book also maybe encourages people to, to, to look at who, particularly who's hurting, um, right, right around them. Wow. Well, great information. I can't wait uh, for everybody to tell me how great this book is. I just got, uh, I mean, this is just an open, but I know you've just sent me uh, a preview copy of the book. And by the time this show airs, the book will be out, available at Amazon.com. The author is Jim Gilmore, who I am proud to call a friend and honored to be a friend. Uh, and he is, without a doubt, one of the smartest dudes I've ever met in my life. And I said it right at the top of the show, wrote or co-wrote with Joe Pine, in my mind, like my favorite all-time best business book. Everybody needs to read it. So I'll say this. Get looked today and then follow it up with the experience economy. <laughs> I just love that book. So, Jim, thanks for being on Amazing Business Radio. You're welcome. And by the way, I like your whole emphasis on amazing. That's a great, that's a great word, hey, too. Well, you want to know where that book <laughs> <laughs> Okay, this Okay. This is important for everybody it to know. Be, it should all end up in being amazing. So I like that sentiment as well. We sat down. If you remember, we sat down probably, what, four or five years ago, and you said yeah. everybody has a word. Let's yep. come up with your word. And, and yep. we were with John DeJulius. We were with uh, Steve Miller, not from the Steve Miller band, but the Steve Miller, who's the author and business and marketing guru. And we were with you. The four of us sat down, and we came up with our words. Yep. And you said, Shep, your word is amazing. That's yep. the word you must, you know. And it's probably even a little bit longer than that. But, gosh darn it, I guess I've done it. I listened I know, to you. I know we're going longer, Shep, but I think since that meeting I've discovered, this is from my friend Greg Bogue at, at Merritt's Travel, go Google Francis Ford Coppola, one word theme. It turns out for every single movie, he picked a single word. Oh, wow. It's absolutely fascinating. I, I think I learned that after the meeting with you and just confirms this notion of having that one word to focus all. So my word now is look. <laughs> you know, in fact, that's a great, that's the number one thing. You asked me, what should people do? Just be aware of the need to look. Make that your mantra. And I think you'll you'll uncover value in your respective businesses. Well, I think everybody should look for amazing success coming from reading yeah. the book, Look. <laughs> so, Jim, right, thanks, thanks, Shep. thanks for being on the show. This is Shep Hyken on Amazing Business Radio. We'll see you next time. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.